Hello there, welcome to the Culture of Life podcast from Human Life International. I'm Tad Wojcik, the Mission Research Specialist. Once again, here with Father Shannon Bouquet. Tad, good to be back with you in the in the studio once again. Yes, we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, well, travel's picking up. Not, so. not too long. Travel starts very shortly. Yeah. Very, yeah, very good, though, for you. Um, yes, I'm looking forward to be back in the mission field, yes. Absolutely, but we're glad while you're here um, today so that we can talk about the um, what's been going on, well, it's really not news, but this is your article uh, most recently, uh, Spirit and Life article. You're talking about um, kind of in the context of the reversal of uh, Roe versus Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood, um, the larger issues at stake, which is the issue of the culture of death and how ingrained it's become in our society, in particular in the U.S., but all over the West, um, Father. And... Um, you're highlighting in the in this article one uh, particular way um, businesses are reacting. Uh, kind of the the big uh, representatives of, of of capitalistic unmoored capitalism, like uh, Tesla, Apple, et cetera, the large companies offering abortions, uh, payment for abortions right. uh, and travel expenses for those employees of theirs who live in states where abortions are illegal right. uh, now. Um, and then highlighting in contrast, one smaller uh, insurance company based in Texas that is paying for childcare costs, right. et cetera. Now, would you mind um, kind of, we don't have to focus on this particular, mm-hmm. these particular businesses sure. throughout, but just Father, how this is kind of a microcosm uh, showing uh, or a case study of, of the way in which the culture of death has affected every aspect of our life, not just in people's um attitudes and, and values, but also in business practices and uh, the way systems are set up for child rearing, et cetera, education, um, and how this is part of a larger conversation of right. the, um, reversing the uh, culture of death's yeah. effects. Well, that's a very, it's a good way, very good introduction, Tad, in the sense of looking at it, because you know just the way that you're talking about it is something that for many people would be a foreign narrative. They they really, we've lost the sensitivity as we've talked about in our podcast before and I've written on many times about the beauty of family life, the dignity of, of marriage, uh, the wonder that it is for, parents, for uh, husbands and wives to be open and welcoming of children and, and to support family life, to, to really recognize its centrality in our society and how as the, uh, John Paul in 1993, and you know, has been quoted to said, you know that you know the society passes through the family. I mean, the church herself recognizes the fundamental role that the family has. This very natural institution, this God-created institution uh, between man and woman in an indissoluble, you know, fruitful, exclusive union. I mean, it's it's something so beautiful, but we we've lost a sense of it. We've lost uh, being able to define it. Uh, at least in the secular culture, and and tragically, even within the Christian fold. I mean, we've seen the consequences when we lose sight of this truth, and we begin no longer to support it or defend it, uh, talk about it. Um, you know, and I think we've we, we realize is that for uh, for millennia, you know, this was what people understood. You know, so when I mentioned the word marriage, 
people knew exactly what we were talking about. When I would speak about the word family, people would understand what that means. Uh, but today, that's very confusing, two terms that people you know, now define in so many different ways. So what, what we see here, to me, with the larger secular institutions continuing to support and advance, you know, the abortion agenda, the anti-life agenda, you know, the really an anti-family agenda, you know, uh, is, I'm not surprised. I mean, they have been, they have really have uh, given into this uh, narrative. They are the ones behind the narrative, endorsing it, supporting it financially, you know, so I'm not surprised. But what I was grateful for is to see an example you know, in in one company that I think it should be something that we all should be doing. So, and and what I mean by all is returning back to the principle of of solidarity, you know, the the recognition that I am my brother and my sister's keeper, that I am responsible uh, uh, for my neighbor, and that I uh, need to be receptive and attentive to my neighbor. And in this situation, when I refer to neighbor, I'm referring to the family, to marriage, and, and how, as a society, you know, one time, all of our structures, you know, even those that were not always the best, but as a whole, you know, from taxes, from the way that the, the federal government, the way the state uh, government, regional government, you know, supported family life. I mean, it was, it was something that you saw that was there that recognized the importance of this unit and the fidelity uh, of that unit. And, and, and since what I mean there, as a husband faithful to his wife, wife faithful to her husband, and within this beautiful uh, upbringing, children are in a secure environment where parents are teaching them and the, and the values are being taught. And, and you know, this is something that was so important and, and people saw this and they recognized it. I mean, all we got to do is step back in time, Tad, and look at movies. Look at, you know, the, the various TV programs, you know, that, uh, that were out at that given time, you know, 50, 60 years ago. And in the understanding of family, and now fast forward and, and you see the, the difficulty. So, for me, this points to something that we have to now reform, and uh, not reform, to re-educate, to re-inform, maybe is my, my word here, is almost like what John Paul said in Evangelium Vitae, that we have to reteach. And be honest, we, I think we do. We, we have to reteach. And so what I'm bringing up in the column is more than just the story about a particular company that is willing to say to to their employees that are wanting to to give birth and wanting they will help them they will support them they will encourage them what whether try to meet their needs well this is something we all should be doing you know as as, as businesses whether they're christian or non-christian you know we should be looking at how we support the family how we have incentives, you know, for maternity and 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 and, uh, and, uh, and uh, paternity leaves. You know how you know we should be looking at what can we do to uh, encourage the family, you know, support. So whether that be you know maybe because in certain situations today maybe both parents have to work because of circumstances. Well, as a business, can I maybe provide you know a baby care, you know, child care? You know, what what could I be doing to support the family? And, and help the family. And, and I think that's the challenge right now, Tad, before us. And so what's, what we did with the overturning of Roe and Casey is we now have brought the conversation uh, to respond to the question, what are we doing to help women? What are we doing to help families? What are we doing to help 
married couples? What are we doing to help people who are in need? And we've always been there. I mean, the church has been in this conversation prior to Roe, since Roe, and will be there tomorrow. And many others, you know, within the faith communities and other people, you know, have been working hard in this. But now it's because of the situation we're in, we have to really look at what are our practices, you know. So, for example, if I'm a, uh, and I'm here, I'm going to refer Tad to a Catholic business owner. If I'm a Catholic business owner, you know, when uh, one of my employees, male or female, in this sense, let's just say, you know, uh, find out that they are now going to be parents, what, what what kind of policies do we have in our company? You know, are we more concerned? I mean, when you look at Disney, Tesla, and these other groups, you know, and I quote, you know, uh, an article where they're looking at, you know, these. uh, it's not so much that they're promoting the abortion industry for the sake of the abortion industry, but what they're doing is, hey, you know, if uh, maternity leave is expensive, I I lose a staff member for a while. You know, there's another side of the coin why these industries are supporting it. And I think people need to be take an honest look at it. It's not just because they may be endorsing abortion as much as they might be saying, you know, rather than not have a child because then I don't lose my staff member. I don't lose my employee. I don't have to pay extra benefits. I don't have to find someone else when they're on maternity leave or paternity leave. I can, you know, so there, there are other things going on. Flip it around. You know, we should be on the opposite, you know, supporting maternity leave helping fathers to take time off as well, to be home with their their newborns and their wives. You know, what kind of other programs are we doing, you know, to help those families? That is what we should be talking about. And and I'm hoping that this moment of time is going to just do that. And, And when the other side is raising this conversation from their perspective, it gives us the opportunity to raise our voice and to come at it from our approach and to let our approach be heard. And that's why I wrote this article, because the, the, the understanding that, you know, when I look at this on the principles of subsidiarity and solidarity, Catholic principles. So when we look at subsidiarity. So I shouldn't be waiting for the federal government to do this. This should be something very local, you know, as very local in the, in the communities. You know, for example, we used to say it takes a community to raise a barn. Most people maybe listening would go, okay, what does that mean? Well, you got to go back in time and to realize when you didn't have heavy farm equipment, you didn't have cranes, you didn't have backhoes and so forth. You had a community and the community would come together and they would build barns together. They would raise these massive frames and timbers together and then they'd move on to the next one that needed it and so forth. So the community came together. Well, this is how I was raised. You know, and I'm not a born, you know, so, but this is how we were raised. You know, it was a family, you know, uh, uh, endeavor. You know, yes, my mom and dad welcomed me into life, were open to the gift of life and said yes to God and yes to each other. And, and here I came, you know, but, but it took a family. And I think I shared that with you, Tad, recently on one of our, our podcasts about, you know, when, when I think about my, my, the priestly vocation that I'm privileged to live, you know, I realize my vocation comes from Almighty God, but I know that my vocation was nurtured by a community. And it came forth from the community. They, many people played a hand in the development and formation of my life. And this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm trying to get to in the conversation that we should recognize. So at the lowest levels of just human uh, society, you know, our family structures, you know, and we live in a mobile culture. We li- you know, people don't live near each other anymore. And that's caused some difficulties too. So, so I think it's a time to reevaluate 
to, to look at, you know, how do we support family life? And to be honest, because we are in a mobile situation, we need to step up. You know, families don't live near each other as much anymore. So this is, again, where we have to step up. We have to come forward. And, you know, I think, for example, of some couples I've known over the years uh, who were uh, blessed with a, with a child of need, special need. And I was always amazed at how neighbors came together. And, you know, they would babysit, you know, go, go run your errands, you know, go take care of what you got to do. Bring your other children to the doctor. I'll watch your daughter. I'll watch your son. It's a community. And, and these were non-relatives. These were neighbors, friends. And this is the way it should be. You know, it, there's a support. There's an encouragement. Then if I take it one step up, now how does the, then the, the, the regional community help? So the local government, so the, you know, school boards and, you know, local government, how do they help the family? How is it structured? And then keep moving up of the movement. So, so the idea here is, you know, we, we would want our federal system to have, you know, policies and, and, and laws that, that, that protect the family and support the family. But I think we need to get also all the way down. How does the local community, this is what makes our pregnancy care centers such a, a thriving, you know, a, a commitment, you know, in the local community. Because what happens, they come forward and they support a local pregnancy center. They bring the diapers, they bring the baby formula, they bring all the clothes, they, they give the funding. And so it's not dependent upon, you know, any state agency. State won't give them anything. All right, unless you're in the state of Texas, all right? So, but the idea is, uh, as far as I know, there could be other states that have it. I hope there are. But that's a local community. So that's an example of, of what I'm talking about here. So I, I think, you know, uh, sorry to be so long-winded with it, uh-huh. but I think it's just a beautiful time for us to reassess this great value and, and, and to, to, get a, uh, to step up and, and to really come forward, you know, on every level, as a church, for example, you know, I think every pastor, you know, when I hear what I mean by a pastor, it could be from our bishop to the local priest to our non-Catholic Christian communities, from their, their, their pastors and the various mechanisms they have within their faith communities. What are we doing to support husbands and wives? What are we doing to help parents with their children? In other words, what are we doing, you know, to, to do this? And then as, as a local government, you know, I think it's important. And we have a lot of people that work in government. You know, how are they, you know, trying to promote, you know, policies and, and, and programs that can, can incentivize, you know, the, the, the needs of our families, support those values? So, uh, I mean, I'm not going to give a lot of answers to how. I, mean, I can give examples of what I see and what's happening. But I just wanted this to be an opportunity because I think it really is a, a post-Roe Casey conversation. Because what has been the rhetoric, you know, all the way through by the pro-abortion uh, side and, and the whole industry? You know, what are we doing to help, help, to help women? What are we doing, you know, to support, you know, them in, in times of difficulty, crisis? Are we going to pay their bills? Are we going to give them clothing? And what has been our answer? Yes, we, you know, we, we have. You know, we've, we, we're here to provide as much as we possibly can to, to be there. We've done that. We, we just got to keep moving. And now we have another opportunity, you know, to, to talk about, you know, uh, the, the, these very core principles of, of subsidiarity and solidarity. And, and I think this is a great, this is, this is the time to do it. And I love this insurance company. That, 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 and they're not the only one. I've been reading other stories, and I'm excited that, to hear that. And I love to see 
hundreds and hundreds of more. And I know they're out there. They're just not on the social media. They're not out there broadcasting. They're doing it. They're, and many of them have already been doing it. All right. So this is, uh, so this is something very, very good. And I hope it stirs more conversation. Absolutely, Father. Thanks for, for um, going through all those issues um, kind of broadly there. Uh, you mentioned two specific aspects of the Catholic social teaching, uh, the principles of subsidiarity and uh, solidarity. solidarity, right? So would you mind uh, explaining those for, well, uh, for our viewers? Just, just kind of just, just using the examples. So again, just looking at their, their, though they are separate principles, they really are inseparable to mm-hmm. each other. And, and so why? Because look at the principle of solidarity. So we're able to answer Jesus's question, right? You know, when when or when the the answer he gives to the to the man who poses, who is my neighbor? So we can respond. Solidarity means that there there that I'm attentive to you, and uh, and you are attentive to me, and that attentiveness means that we're concerned about each other's well-being. And the solidarity is whatever happens to you happens to me. And so if, if you're flourishing, then I'm happy for your flourishment. And, and if I'm flourishing, you're happy, in a sense, for my flourishing. And so there's a, there's a connection. It's not, not a distance. And, and it's not something that is uh, outside of myself that, uh, that, you know, I'm not walking across the street and ignoring you. I'm not, I'm not pretending you do not exist. You know, it's an attentiveness to my neighbor and an attentiveness to, to the individuals around me and respect for human dignity and, and have respect for human persons. And to, to be attentive is, is more than me just, you know, trying to I'll pull out my wallet and, and give money if there's a need. Yes, that could be an example. But sometimes that's the easiest. But for me to, to give of my time and my skill and my ability and myself, you know, just go back to said, you know, it takes a community to build a barn. You know, you know, people come forward, they bring themselves, they bring food, they bring their neighbors, they, you know, everyone's part of it. And this is what this whole social teaching on on, on solidarity is that I am genuinely concerned about you as an individual, as a, a fellow human being. And, and so that's why the church, who has been an advocate of this, you know, from the beginning, you know, is concerned about the unborn child. The, the most defenseless of our culture to the elderly and the handicapped and the and the persecuted and the and the poor and and the abandoned. I mean, the church is has the largest you know charitable work you know in our world. I mean, it's it's amazing what the church does, but it does it because of love. It does it because of a concern for neighbor, and and it challenges me as an individual to to get out of myself, and and to be other centered. So that and it's and, and it's a mindset too. It's it's not them, it's us. It's it's never pointing a finger, you know. And and so it's. I give you an example. Of this Tad would be, you know, is a person comes, you know, let's say to a pregnancy care center, and makes a decision that you know that no matter what was been offered, they decided not to take that help and and sadly make a decision to take the life of their child. But let's say they come back, you know, a month later after this, and they're need, they're in need. Of course, come in, step in. What can I be of help for? You know, the idea here is that there's mercy, there's compassion, there's attentiveness, there's concern, and always there's never a, someone shut out. And even you know, and I think that solidarity is what builds our culture. 
you know, and, and we've lost this understanding. We've lost a sense of neighbor, of, of other. And we've, we've become very individualistic. John Paul talked about this so often. Now, tie in that principle of subsidiarity. So, and I'm going to make it just something very simple, as I've already shared. So, in, in the sense of that I don't need large government to, to do what you and myself could be doing on the local level. So just kind of think on that principle. So back to the, to the idea of the local church community, you know. So I don't need government to tell me how to be charitable. I don't need government to, to help me, you know, to, uh, to uh, reach out for those in need with food and shelter. At the same time, it can provide resources and, and uh, maybe incentives and, and, and financial support to help do that work. And we see that, for example, during hurricanes. I'm from Louisiana, all right? So I can tell you in many, many cases, the, the state and, and, and lo, uh, federal government cannot get in the area because roads are blocked, trees are down, power lines are down. But it's local people that are out immediately trying to help not get themselves situated, but then they're out helping their neighbor. And I've seen it time and time again. And then you see the larger structure come in that we can provide. You know, I don't own a bucket truck. I can't get up on a pole and put a power line. So the, the next level comes in and does what they can provide, that infrastructure, that larger uh, area of, of financial contribution and, and all the other areas of manpower and so forth. So I'm, I'm being very simple with it, Tad, but it's an example because I can quote you what, what the church says. This is what subsidiary means. This is what solidarity means. But that'll f- go over. If you look at how it's applied and how it's lived, it, it makes very simple sense. So to parents, it's not, you know, the idea here is not for me to tell parents how. Use the church is teaching with catechesis. Here's a good example. The church provides assistance to parents in the formation of their children. Who are the primary educators of their children? Parents. So the church does not take over the role. The church does not come in and usurp the role. The church recognizes the primary role and supports that role and provides the mechanisms and the structures that are needed to help the parents to do this. And when parents can't do it for whatever reason, then yes, others can step in and provide. So when you look at how that social doctrine is lived on a a daily basis, the recognition is not waiting for someone else to do what I myself could be doing or what we on the local level could be providing and doing on our own. And then we move up. So we do expect, you know, uh, the federal government to, to play its role. Highways, infrastructure, bridges, you know, you name it. It's something you and I can't go out. I can build one. and It's not going to last very long. So, yeah, there is a place for each level of, of its contribution, but never to take over that role. And, and especially on the, on the on those lower lowest levels where it can be accomplished and most of the time done much better, all right. And so the question is: is where government's role is to empower, to in, to to empower those to be able to do what they can do. And I think that's something that's been lost because now what we do is we kind of roll over and say, you know, government, you come and do it for me, you know, and which has caused many of our problems today. And, you know, so and that's a different different spirit in life, a different conversation. But I, I do believe it's, it's an important moment for us to realize, you know, we see these principles alive every day, Tad, in our communities, 
And if we step out of our, our doors, we would see them very visibly uh, there, you know, uh, with many, many activities and programs in our local communities that are, are really exercising these two principles. Even non-Catholics who may not understand the principles themselves in the sense of the, of, of the, of the definition, but they're living them. It's very visible out there. You know, and as I just gave you an example of a, of a pregnancy care center, uh, I mean, I can give you an example of, of a local food bank. You know, I mean, there's so many, a clothing store, you know, a, a thrift store that, you know, collects goods for the poor and the needy. These are all examples, you know, that are working at lower levels, you know, and, I, and what I mean by lower levels is just what we can do with our own skills and our own benefits and our own contribution and our own effort. And why do we do it? That's why the principle of solidarity is connected, Ted, because I do it for you and you do it for me and we do it for our neighbor and we have all this available because others are in need. And I may be a little more fortunate than my neighbor so I can do a little bit more. So this is where it, it pulls us in. It, it unites us. It, it, it causes us to, to step forward. And back to what the article begins with, you know, when you consider those that are, uh, uh, for whatever reason, and I give different reasons why, but the idea is that that's not resolving the, 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 what really the need is. And what I have seen, and, and, and that's what I love what this other, other group is doing, this beautiful uh, example I make note in my article, is they're saying to, to, to their female employees, uh, and, and, and I haven't read all their, the document of what, they, uh, uh, what else they may offer. They may say to the, the fathers and the, the husbands of well, is saying something as well, but they're saying, we will help you. you know, and, and that's what we have to do. So uh, again, you can tell I'm very passionate about it because I, I, I just don't, we need to do this. This needs to, to become actualized, not just simply a piece of paper. Uh, I don't write this because I'm looking for some, 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 some uh, recognition. You know, trying to highlight a good and call myself and others to live that good. And when other people step forward and, and expose the good, you know, like I, the article that I mentioned here, it, it really brings to bear, it makes me ask myself, okay, what am I doing? You know, what am I doing? And, and to be honest, I mean, Let's see, I'm, I'm the president of, of a pro-life organization. So I have to even look at, you know, how does my organization that I'm privileged to serve, do we reflect that? And I can say, yes, but there's always room to grow. There's always room to improve it. So it's, it's it, it, hoping it does is it kind of brings us all to the, to the table and says, what are we doing? You know, dioceses, you know, what are, what are our policies toward maternal leave and, and paternity leave? You know, do we even have such a thing? And, you know, um, you know, so these are things that we all need to start asking, along with the state. I mean, let's be honest, right now we're dealing with high inflation, the cost of food, you know, cost of many things. This affects everyone, but it especially affects families, you know, with, with children and, and, you know, trying to raise a family thinking about raising a family. You know, these things are, so the cost of, you know, what uh, bread, milk, cereal, basics, you know, and so this is why the role of government is so crucial, Tad, as well, that, you know, we need to fight against these kinds of issues of inflation and, and recognize the harm that these things do. We need to find ways, you know, to support family tax incentives, tax breaks, you know, in, in helping families. And, you know, I think about this in an example I've met in different parts of the world. And, you know, uh, 
again, for different, now these are for political motivations. I, I understand that as I give the example. So I, I put it out there. But, you know, in the, in the country of Belarus, Ted, you know, if, um, uh, if you uh, were married and you and your wife uh, welcomed uh, your firstborn, you know, the government would be very proud, wonderful in his family life. You know, you are open to two, three children. Eventually, they, they, the government will help you to have an, a big apartment, you know, larger than, than this room, you know, something to help your family. If you were to have five children, they actually will provide a farm for you, a home, property for you to farm. In other words, there, you see billboards, you know, in different places. And look, again, it, it is there's political motivation for, behind it. But it's still something we can we can take advantage of. The government there is seeing an importance of having families, having children. So, again, maybe political ideologies there, but we can take advantage of that and support. And we have, you know, we've we've worked with local uh, communities there to to take advantage of those incentives. Right. So this is government for the right reason. All right. Because the value is the family. That cell is important to support to sustain and and to work not, uh, not as we see today not to work against it but to work in its favor and that's what we have to change so sorry just a little long but it's 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 something I'm very passionate about no absolutely father it's great to hear that passion and 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 it, you're right it's really obviously very important for us to um engage in this way to defend uh, life and, and promote families and promote um, the rearing of children uh, in our societies uh, because like we've talked about in other places um, the demographic decline is is a direct right. consequence of the uh, not only the the cultural mindset of not wanting wanting children but also economic realities of governments and businesses making it difficult right. to have children. Very much so, like, I mean, if I may, just sure. an example of that, you know, in some countries, if, if uh, for example, let's say that, a, a, in this case, a single woman is uh, with child, in, in some uh, countries, in some uh, places, they, it, they, they, she's unemployable. Now, I want you to think about what that, what that creates. And, and so the, it, it just purely moves her to not only in this moment of difficulty that she finds herself, but she may find herself, how, do she, how does she support herself? How does she support her child? Maybe for whatever reason, she may be no family. You know, so the only thing she thinks that her option is, is what? Is to, is to if abortion is legal or even if it's not legal, that becomes her, her, her answer. That should never be an answer. It should never be the, 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 the response. And so, but this happens around our world. And here, as you said, Tad, it does happen here. Maybe, you know, it's not, not a policy. It's not a, definitely not a law. But obviously, we see the pressure, you know, that's being placed by, from businesses whose bottom line really is capital, you know, and so it's not people. You know, the value is not the person. Uh, it's in the bottom line. And that's what has to change, all right? And so, so you hit that nail right on the head. It's, it's very important to see. And I can give a, a couple more examples, if, you know, if we had the time, of countries that do this, sadly, the, the, this, this heavy, heavy-handed approach. And it, it just causes so much harm, so much harm. And so, it's, uh, so I'm glad you, you mentioned that. Sorry to interrupt you there. No, no, Father. Um... I was just going to ask, though, uh, in view of all this, what suggestions you have uh, for our audience for how they can be engaged in their local communities. Um, Obviously, well, 
maybe we have some audience members who are uh, part of Fortune 500 companies, but but if not, or wh- whoever, right. Father, um, how we can engage um, and have this principles of these principles of subsidiarity and solidarity. Right. Well, I, on a local I mean, level. as I mentioned, uh, Tad, I, I, I think the first part is for all of us, you know, is to not only express that that family life and the beautiful gift of marriage uh, is or or that their gifts, their beautiful treasures, and that if 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 we have to step forward to support this, and so uh, from a small business, you know, to a, a business owner to uh, church parishes, faith communities, local uh, local communities, and all the way up, you know, into the state level, we, we, we have to change our tune toward the family. I mean, to be honest, we've talked about this, you know, divorce has not been, you know, has not helped the family. You know, so the, the legalization of divorce has caused great difficulty to family life. Children have suffered as a consequence of, of divorce. Um, the, 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 uh, this, uh, the idea that today that what we see in our culture that really works against the support of, of marriage and the family life has caused great difficulty, you know, to, to people, to families, to our society. And we just, we need to pause and, and realize that, you know, this is not the way to the, the way to move, and the way to move is to move toward and su- support the good, to advance the good, to to encourage the good, to to reteach the good, and and even as I'm speaking, I mean I know our audience is going to be familiar with what we're talking about, but if, if this were to be played, you know, some kind of where in in a, in, a, in, a, in a larger uh, secular uh, audience, um, again, you know, people would not understand, you know, the language. When I, when I speak about, you know, marriage itself and family life, and they often would think that it's something ideal. It's something that, you know, oh, we once had that kind of value. We've changed. We don't, we, we don't need that anymore. We have different ways of living today. We have different expressions of this today. And, and what's happened is, we, like I said in the beginning, we've lost a sense of that beauty, that good. And so the way to, way to reaffirm it is to bring it back forward. I think of the scripture, all right? You know, you don't light a lamp and hide it. You place it high where everyone can see it. And so we need not be afraid of preaching marriage, preaching fidelity, preaching exclusivity, and preaching being fruitful, welcoming life. We, we, we should, un, without any shame, stand in big smiles and joyfully preach this. And then for those that maybe not, did not have that experience, some come from broken homes, some come from wounded situations, some come from very difficult family upbringings, but those things are there. But that is, again, does not mean that, that these the, the good cannot be achieved. It cannot be lived. It can. But that's where we all come back in. And it's interesting. It's so interesting when you watch, you know, uh, movies, and, and and a lot of times they they want to pull back in time, and they show families sitting around a table, you know, eating together. You know, they show families getting together for Christmas holidays and special events, and they they show all these grandmas and grandpas and all these things. But but it, it, people look at it as if it's something way in the past, like it was something far, far, far away. And sadly, Tad, for some people, maybe they they they've never had that kind of experience. But I would say that this is what we have to reintroduce: the family, grandparents, parents, 
aunts, uncles, cousins, and so forth and so on. That you know, this is this is this is the family that then then that should be working together, helping each other. So my point with that really is is at the at the local level, how do we you know support that gathering? I'm going to give you an example. When when I was uh, back in parish ministry, we would have family fun days, and it was such a, a wonderful experience. And because we would we would gather together and we'd have food, you know, families is a play day, and it was amazing to watch all these families come out and you know pop up their tents or gather in little in little communities with under the big tent, and, and it was great. People would visit, they talked to each other, they hadn't seen each other in years, and you know it was like having a big family reunion, and it was exciting, and people were happy. They, they, they were joyfully excited to see each other. And then, you know, and, and that to me is something that the heart longs for. We, we, we long for that connective. We're social beings. We're, we're made for each other. And so this is what we have to do. And I think within the local business, you know, is especially, for, and I'm going to speak here to our Catholic business owners, is, you know, in, in, in the document called The Vocation of the Business Leader put out by the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace back in 2012, it, it, it speaks about the role of the business leader. It speaks about the, the irreplaceable role of that leader in advancing what, what it calls the moral agenda. So here, what I'm speaking of is a moral agenda that's grounded in, in what God created in marriage and family life. And how do we advance that? And what happens is if, if we assault the family, we're ultimately assaulting the society. So if we want to see our society grow and flourish, we want to see the values. For example, we have a very violent culture right now. We, we, we all see the news. We all read the stories. Countless, countless people lose their lives daily to acts of violence, lack of respect. I just you know, heard a situation where a little baby was, was killed and put into a garbage can. The, 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 this is happening, you know, these kinds of incidences of violence are happening. But, you know, and they happened even in those good days when family structures were there, but they were, they were the rarity than the norm. So how do we recapture, you know, where do we first learn moral principles in the home? Where do we learn goodness and kindness in the home? Where do we learn right from wrong in the home? Where do we learn compassion and charity in the home? This is where it all starts. And so if we want to heal and transform the culture around us, then we need to make sure that the, the unit upon which it is built is secure and it's safe, and it's growing, and it's supported. So the local business leader, the Catholic business leader, needs to look at, at, at those that, that they employ not as cogs in a wheel, not as, 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 as some you know, commodity to be used, but these are human beings, and that we don't have time to go into the, the beauty of work, but to understand that, that this work that is provided is for the good of society. We're providing a good all right, for society, you know, whatever that work may be, but we're also providing opportunity for the person to use their skills and to use their gifts and then to provide for their families. This is what we're, so it's, it's a mutual gift. It's a mutual exchange that is, that is happening. So there has to be a mutual respect. And so we need to recognize, so when, that's why, you know, I think back to subsidiarity for a moment. I think, Ted, you and I take for granted sick leave, vacation time, you know, maternity leave, paternity leave in, in, in many cases. But, you know, these are, these are things that have happened over time where local government, state government, policies 
Healthcare. I mean, we take for granted healthcare, Tad. Healthcare was not something normative many years ago, you know, that was not offered to employees. You know, uh, 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 businesses were not required at one time to do this. These things now are commonplace. People expect them. But these are good things, all right? And so this is the kind of thing that is it's there to help the individual. It's there to provide a good for the individual. But if you're healthy and you're strong and good well-being, then, then you bring your, your, your gifts and your skills to the work, and we benefit and others benefit. So we see, see, back to the principle of subsidiarity at work there. So it's important, you know, for us to see at every level how we are contributing and what we're bringing to the table. So what I would say, local level, right? So let's get as practical as we can get, right? So I'm going to speak from a Catholic perspective, right? So I'm going to start with my own, the, the local church. So for those that are, you know, employed by the Catholic church, let's start there. What are our policies? Our principles, what are we advancing within our, in our diocesan structures? I can speak to some because I've worked in some, okay? But that's where we start. You know, that's start at that level. And then if, I am, if I'm a parishioner of, of Sacred Heart Parish and Father gets up and starts talking about what you and I are talking about, Tad, okay, well, how do I, how do I treat my employees? Let me look at that. What, let's go back and look at those policies. Let's make sure that you know that we are, we are reflecting those Catholic principles. And so, and that's, that's another starting point. And then let's say that I happen to be, you know, uh, again, speaking to the Catholic community, I'm a local uh, legislator working on the state level. You know, maybe I'm, uh, I have some ideas to bring to the table, you know, to talk about, you know, uh, supporting our families and maybe providing some incentives, some tax relief, you know. So there's many ways that each of us can, can, can talk about this and also come to the table with how to address these issues. You know, and, and, and so and when I'm thinking of family, Ted, I'm not just thinking of young couples here. All right. Yes. But I'm talking about all the way through. How do we help families? Families are also our elderly. Families are also our handicapped. Families are also our poor, our rich, all all of them. So it's not just one segment. Okay, we're not just being just segmenting. We're talking about the whole. So I think that's how I would approach it. And, and I think if we, if we do this, and I would say to my, my brother, my brother priest, is, you know, we need to preach about these things, you know, from our pulpits, in our catechesis, in our formation, and especially meeting with local. I would say, as a parish priest, meet with the local business leaders in your community. Talk to them about this. You know, what could we be doing to, to, to talk about this, to advance the conversation? You know, Almost all of the people sitting in our pews are, I would say, a great, great majority are employed people, all right? So they have, they're, they're having these questions, you know, they're, they're having needs, so let's talk about them. So that's one way to, to move the conversation. But to get back to the original, you know, thing that, that stirred it, so is, is looking at what can we do at our local level that can become a witness to others, so I'm going to use something completely outside the box. The revitalization of small communities that we're seeing across the United States today. Little communities that were uh, downtown little communities that as, as interstates came through, new highways were built, people were no longer coming to those little communities. 
And so what was happening was they, a lot of buildings were falling apart, falling into destitute, uh, destitution. And so what's happened is you've seen a revitalization. And so if, and what's happened, people have taken pride in it. All of a sudden, people are painting their house. They're, they're cleaning their yard. Uh, they're fixing the front of their business. You know, it, it, it incentivizes people to take pride in, in this. And so I can use that as an example in the local level here of taking pride in our greatest treasure, and that's our families. And then what are we doing to, to, to help our families to thrive? And in helping them to thrive, others thrive, and, and so forth and so on. It just moves out like a, like a huge boulder thrown into a pond of water. It ripples out. And if we have that understanding, then we will see the transformation of our culture. We'll see the advancement of a culture of life. And, and, and we'll see the, 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 the joy and the happiness and the peace and the freedom that we all speak about, you know, and happen right in front of us. And then it moves forward, moves forward in time. It affects the, the larger community, moves into the state level, moves into the next neighboring state and so forth. It, 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 you, you can't contain it. You know, that's what God created. That, that, that's, that's why it, you can't hide it. You know, we're, we're trying, sadly, the culture's trying to hide it. We have to put it high for everyone to see. So that's, that's kind of what I toss back. So I know that um, what we're talking about, Tad, today is nothing new to much of our audience, but I, I had a radio, I actually had two radio interviews this week on this article itself, and so, which is great. People are talking, you know, they're, they're recognizing, you know, the importance of, of having this kind of conversation. And it's not going to be, it's not going to be easy. You know, our, our culture has given way to many practices and many views and, and approaches. But, Ted, we just got to stay the course, and we just need to keep working. And you and I are privileged. We live in a, in a kind of, a, I mean, I live in this community. You live a little further out. But all the communities in which we now live here in, in Virginia, I see the families. Uh, it's, you see the size of the families, and you see the local community helping those families, and you see the local community benefiting from those families. And, and so it's, it's wonderful to see, and it's exciting, and you wish you can take it and just bring it to other communities and, and help them, you know, to, to see the wonder when we support the family, when we encourage family life, and we, and we protect the sanctity of marriage, and we, and, we, and we fight to protect that. And then we, and then we do all we can to support the, the husbands and wives and raising their children. Back to my image, and I'll throw it, toss it back to you is, I would say, like the barn, it takes a community to raise a barn. It takes a community to raise a family, you know, and, and that it's, it's not they and us, it's, it's we. And we just need to really recapture that. Absolutely, Father. Uh, thank you uh, for that, um, kind of going through all those issues there uh, as far as our local communities. And, and one last thing then maybe we can mm-hmm. discuss is, uh, just turning to the spiritual aspect of things, because um, we've talked about all of these different uh, social and cultural things that have to change on our local community levels, and, and as well as broader, um, eventually, hopefully. Uh, what can we do on the spiritual front yeah. to 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 affect that? Well, let's go back to Sister Lucia. You know who uh, you know, great visionary of Fatima. Remember, and we've talked about this. You know, and and our audience would be familiar. You know, uh, sister mentioned that you know the final battle would be over the family. So let's take the word "final" out. That's a different conversation. But the battle has always been about the family. 
I mean, we think about, you know, Satan assaulted Adam and Eve, you know, our, our first couple, and, you know, and, and so, and, and, and convince them and their openness to being that convinced, and, 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 and we see the consequences. So we should not be surprised that even to this day, that the evil one, the great, uh, the great thief, the great murderer continues to, to try to break down the family. And, and, and we see the consequences of it. I mean, we see the consequences of divorce, separation. We see the difficulties of, of single households. Uh, and, and so we, we see what happens with all this. And so there's a, there is the spiritual side of this. It's, this is not only a secular issue. Matter of fact, I would, I would venture out to say, Tad, that it really is not a secular issue. It really is a spiritual issue. And that now reflects itself in the temporal sphere. Because if we, have, if we hold this value to be, uh, for example, vows. Now, these vows are said in many ways. I, Frank, take you, Cindy, to be my lawful wife. I take husband. I promise to be true to you in good times and bad, richer and poorer, sickness and health, till death do us part. And words like that in other, other traditions. Well, those words need to be actualized. And, and so, but if those words are lived, Wow, what a beautiful, beautiful life, what a beautiful gift to our society and to our culture. And Satan knows this. And so striving to undermine it, using you know, opportunities of our human weakness, our, our frailties and our faults, you know, and sadly people succumbing to this. And so it is spiritual, Tad. And so what can we do? First of all, we need to pray for our families. And we need to not only pray, we need to Go back to what we talked about, help our families. And not be afraid, as I said earlier, Tad, to, to speak on this, you know, to preach about it. And to be honest, you know, respectfully, when if I walk into a given faith uh, community, into a, a church parish, no doubt the people, many of the people sitting in front that I'm facing and talking to are coming from these situations. And sometimes for, for priests, and it's difficult to talk about them because they know that there's a, there's a woundedness within the community, divorce situations, remarriage, you know, single households, cohabitation, all of it. We need not be afraid. We need to, with great pastoral sensitivity and love and care and a desire to lead people in the fullness of the truth, to speak about not an ideal but that which God has created, that which God has made. Jesus himself reminds us this is not how it was in the beginning, speaking about marriage. He speaks about it, and it's important for us to speak about it with all the, all the tenderness and the gentleness and the firmness that needs to happen. And each pastor has to determine in a given community how to do that, but we must do it. And then have the mechanisms we need in the parish to help to heal those wounds, to reconcile those differences. And that will then ripple out, you know, and it moves into the larger. And to be honest, Tad, you know and I know so many people don't have that kind of experience. They, and so but how, do we, how will they ever know that experience unless someone talks to them about it, and someone shows it to them, says it's possible, that it can be lived. It's not something in a fairy tale. It's something real, something very tangible, and something God desires. And God has given us the grace to live. But we have to preach that. We have to teach it. And we have to witness it. And we have to have our couples that are living that life be, witness it to others. 
and, and to, to let that light shine. And we need to celebrate it. And at the same time, respectfully dealing with the other aspects of it. But we, we have to deal with it, not ignore it. And that's one way. What, what they want us to do, the devil wants is to remain silent. Just let, let happen what's happened. Let it continue the way it is. Don't say a word. Don't, who are you to judge? You know, all those little things we hear, all right? And, or you get the, the, the hate email, you know, the, the, the letter in the mail. How dare you speak on this? It's, that's all of the way of the, of the evil one trying to silence us. Our Lord reminds us, be not afraid. So be not afraid. And I, that's why I think that what we started with by talking about a particular, uh, you know, company that was not afraid to get out there, to tell its own employees and people in there and that they are directly impacting, we're here for you. We're here for you. And that's what we have to do too. We're here for you. We are here. We're in this together. It's not a you and me and separately. It's an us. We're in this together. We're on this journey together. We're sojourners together. We're going to get there together. That's what we got to keep preaching and teaching and expressing. So Ted, there's so much that, you know, that we could, and I would just start there. That's where I would start. And I would say that that can translate to other faith communities. It can translate, you know, to many other aspects within the local communities. We just have to do it and, and put it into motion and, and, and not treat this as a business. This is not a business, all right? It's the business of God. And the, the greatest gift, you know, is this wonderful God-given gift, this natural institution that, we, that was not destroyed in the fall, marriage. You know, we, we, in family life, we have, to, we have to preach it. We have to teach it. So get on the housetops. Get in the pulpits, you know. And, uh, and I think we need to challenge local government. I would say that would be the last point I would make. As religious leaders, we need to, to work with our, our legislators to promote policies and laws that support family and, and, and not undermine the family. And we'll get into this later on, but we have a, sadly, we have a number of things today that are, that are not helpful to family life. And, uh, and we'll have time maybe in a later podcast to talk about that. What I'm talking about there, Ted, just briefly, is the, the laws, divorce itself, you know, which is a civil issue, all right? And, but it, it has caused so much harm, you know, to our society, uh, this no-fault divorce issue. So, but that's for another day. But, uh, but um, that's why I mean it, it has to be, we've got to touch every part. We can't leave any part of the conversation exposed. It all has to come into the conversation, Tad. And uh, if, if we don't, then inevitably something's going to creep in and, and try to undermine what we've done and what we've, what we've advanced. So it is a diabolical issue. It is an assault. It is a spiritual issue. So uh, let's treat it that way. And, and if we do and we heal it in the proper manner, then in the temporal sphere, we will all be the beneficiaries of it. So that's what I kind of toss back. Amen. Thank you, Father. Um, I think that just about sums it up. So uh, thank you for your time today, Father. And thank you all for watching and listening. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Turn Tap the bell for notifications. Uh, if you're listening on our audio platforms, please follow us. And continue to share us with your friends. Keep on living the culture of life. God bless. <laughs>